to another edition of Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night will keep this monkey from the swift completion of her appointed mission. In Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 44, which begins with Sally Ann trekking through the desert with her liquid payload, and it ends with what Merriam-Webster defines as an exhausted or profitless topic or issue, namely, a dead horse. <laughs> We're going to do our best not to beat said dead horse. <laughs> oh, no, we're not. <laughs> that's what we do here. That's, that's, we beat dead horses. That is literally all we do. <laughs> it just so happens that this minute has a literal dead horse. But not quite yet, because we start off this minute with a couple of seconds of Sally Ann scurrying away from this pipe that leads down to Underworld. I'm assuming this is under cover of darkness. Considering that when we had the establishing shot of Barter Town before we went into Underworld, it was the middle of the night. So it makes sense that we're still under the cover of darkness. I agree, but it does seem to be getting lighter. Although, I wonder if that's just the movie thing of when uh, it's supposed to be night, it's actually just kind of a dawn. Like a day for night shot? Yes. It does look blue to the point of it being a day for night shot. Okay. <laughs> or a night for day shot. Or whatever. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so you think she is intended to be taking off in the middle of the night, not at dawn? Right. Okay. I mean, we are going to fade to Sally Ann dragging this water flask across the desert in what I assume is the morning sun. So at this point... Max was put on that horse and sent galloping into the nothing at dawn. We had the entire day. Pig Killer put Sally Ann in the pipe in Monday's minute, sent her out, and she's been running all night in a desperate attempt to catch up to this horse. And it's not going to happen. There's no way that a tiny little monkey running across the sand with no trail to speak of is ever going to catch up to Max. I think it's less of a problem to catch up to Max, although that is a huge problem. It's to go off in the correct direction. Mm -hmm. Just because the horse was following some water on the end of a stick doesn't mean he's going to go in a straight line. That's a good point. They could be anywhere. Now, I did some math. Average walking speed of a horse is four miles an hour. Applying that to Max and his horse with no name, that's going to have to be a guesstimate because he started out galloping. Yeah. But I can't imagine that lasted very long. And at the end, he was barely walking at all. I imagine after the initial shock of being smacked by Iron Bar wore off, the horse slowed down considerably and then just started walking. Walking. <laughs> so four miles an hour for approximately 24 hours. That's oh, yeah. approximately 100 miles. Yeah. Which is very, very very, very far away. And it doesn't even, they, uh, not even necessarily 100 miles straight out into the desert. Mm -hmm. It could be 100 miles curled up into a spiral. <laughs> Max true. could actually only be 10 or 15 miles out. Who knows? Mm -hmm. we, I, it, you know what? That actually answers a lot of questions I have that we'll actually address on Friday. So I'm going to put a pin in that. Yeah got things going on in my head when i was watching this minute the first thought i had when i saw sally ann loping across these sands is how fast 
are rhesus macaque monkeys. And I, for the life of me, could not find that information. I found the interesting tidbit about herpes B and the virus that they carry, but I could not figure out how fast they can move. Yeah, I tried to as well, and I couldn't find that out either. The land speed record for a monkey, not a rhesus macaque monkey, is I think 35 miles per hour, but horses can easily gallop at 45 miles per hour. So Sally Ann not being nearly as big as this other style of monkey that I saw, which I didn't memorize the name. I'm not doing my due diligence there, but this other monkey has extremely long legs and is very big. It's like a 30-pound monkey. Right. So a lot of natural advantages over Sally Ann that she just can't compete with. Yeah, it's that the long legs. That's why a horse can move Mm -hmm. so quickly is because it has long legs attached to a strong muscular body. But those long legs can cover a lot of distance. Mm -hmm. So speaking of covering long distances, we fade from... Sally Ann dragging the water flask across the desert to what is essentially a dip to black, but it's the exact opposite because we fade to an image of the sun and then the sun fills the frame and just whites out everything. Like I said, it's it's like a dip to black, but it's white instead of black. The thing about the sun washing out in the entire frame is this is supposed to denote a passage of time. Every time that George Miller does this type of transition, time passes. Mm -hmm. What I'm not sure of is whether or not this transition means that we're still in the same day or are we an indiscriminate amount of time later? It's hard for me to tell. It is hard to tell. While I was looking up information about horses and how fast they move, my initial quandary was how long they can go without water Mm -hmm. to get an indication of perhaps how long it's been. Right. The one source that I could find that was definitive, most everybody was like, no, horses need water every day. Feed your horse water every day. (laughs) Because they were about actually caring for horses. Right. So one place that I found said four or five days. Okay. So theoretically, if this started out as a healthy horse... Theoretically, it could go four or five days in the desert with no water. The resource that I found said three to four days. So I'm glad that at least it's close. It it is. That is pretty close. A human being can last longer than that without water. I think it's seven to ten days. Yeah. Depending on how healthy you are and the conditions that you're in. Considering that Max is in the middle of the desert, I feel like seven days is... Pretty good. The important thing to note here is that without any sort of water, Max would outlive that horse by about half a week. Three to four days, probably. Under normal circumstances, yes. But just a day and a half prior, he experienced a very similar thing. He was abandoned out in the desert and walked, I can't remember, at least a half a day. Yeah. Without water. And the movie really didn't make a big deal of it. Going back to the novelization, the novelization made a very, very big deal of it. He was about to die Yeah. when he got to Bartertown. That's surprising because I imagine that one of the supplies that Sally Ann would have been able to knock off the back of the cart would have been water of some kind, like a flask or a jug or something. In the novelization, she didn't just push off the stuff that Max needed. She pushed everything off. Mm-hmm. So perhaps the water supply was just up front where Jedediah was sitting. Yeah. And she wasn't able to get it to push off. That's possible. And she also wasn't showing this specific intelligence to go, okay, well, he needs a pair of boots and he needs his guns and he needs this and he needs that. 
she was just like, oh no, Master's over there and his stuff is over there. I'm going to push it all out. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little more vague. I definitely have to go with the book, the novelization when it comes to answering those questions right there. So this is the second instance in a couple of days that Max is finding himself in the middle of the desert without a reliable water source. Which is very, very tough on the body. I mean, obviously you can die from dehydration, but before you even get to that point, you're going to have serious health problems. Lightheadedness. Loss of consciousness. Mm Mm-hmm confusion, things like that. Not a good state of mind for trying to wander around in a wilderness. (laughs) Certainly not. No, which goes a long way to explain the rest of this movie. Well, it goes a long way to explaining the transition to the second half of this movie, Mm -hmm. that he is delusional and confused and barely conscious at all. (laughs) So this horse, this poor horse. With no name? With no name. It starts to slow. Its steps eventually just stop, and the horse becomes very unsteady. It struggles to stand up, and then it just lies down, which coincidentally allows Max to roll off of the horse's back and finally be in a position where he can start working the ropes off of his hands without getting jostled one way or the other. Because I imagine that keeping his balance up on that horse probably took a fair amount of concentration, because if he fell off that horse, I think he was more or less tied to the saddle. So he would have been dragged, probably dislocating his shoulders or worse behind that horse. Okay, I can go with that. I was just now wondering why he hasn't been working on getting his hands untied for the last 24 hours. And it could be that he has been trying. Yeah. And it's just now being able to get back on the ground that he's able to devote the proper amount of attention to it. There would be different stressors on the knot and the Mm -hmm. rope and him, and he would also have something different to push against. It was just a bad angle. Yeah. And he wasn't able to get the leverage that he needed to get it untied. But then once he was on his side, he seemed to get it pretty quick Mm -hmm. once he was down. I was very worried about his other leg that was under the horse. I mean, horses are pretty heavy. Yeah. The one saving grace of that detail is the fact that the horse didn't fall over. The horse kind of rolled over. Very true. So Max might have felt the horse leaning and just lifted his leg out of the way. Yeah, been able to maneuver out of the way. (laughs) And given the unstable nature of the sand in this area, even if his leg was underneath the horse, he might have been able to slip it out just by shifting the sand a little bit. Friday's minute is going to be very quicksand heavy. Yeah. (laughs) But there'll be plenty of time for that. This scene where the horse lies down and Max rolls off his back, it reminded me of a book that I read back in middle school. I don't remember if it was sixth, seventh, or eighth grade, but we read a book by Paulo Coelho from 1988 called The Alchemist. Now, this is going to be a bit of a deep cut for anyone who's not up on their Brazilian authors, but... The Alchemist is a story of a young man from Spain who goes down into Africa and is going after this treasure. And so he has several adventures along the way and eventually discovers an alchemist that helps him on his way. And there's one particular passage that always stuck with me, and it's something that the alchemist instructs the young man whose name is Santiago to do before they can depart on their trip across the desert. He says, tomorrow sell our camel and buy a horse. Camels are traitorous. They walk thousands of paces and never seem to tire. Then suddenly they kneel and die. But horses tire bit by bit. 
you always know how much you can ask of them and when it is that they are about to die. And that's from Paulo Coelho in The Alchemist. Camels can literally go for months between drinking sessions. So you could argue that sending someone to Gulag on a camel would actually be helping them more so than hurting them because all the person going to Gulag would have to do is free themselves from their bonds, get that hood or whatever head covering off, and then they've got a camel. Very true. But I can't imagine that they would ever think that a victim of the Gulag would be able to free themselves. But if that's the case, then they probably should have done more tying up. Right. Maybe it's just that the guards aren't very good at tying knots. Maybe not. <laughs> I like the idea of sending him out on a horse with no name, that eh, doesn't really have much left in him anyways. Right, because if a horse dies in the middle of the desert, now it's a albatross around your neck. There's not a lot of moisture that you can extract from a horse. No. And yeah, even if you wanted to use the horse to sustain yourself, you would still need to cook the meat or risk getting sick. And there's nothing to start a fire with mm -hmm. except the horse itself. And unless you've got some sort of flint and steel stuffed in your sock. Oh, just need a piece of glass. I guess so. A polished piece of refractive glass. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suppose somebody who is trained and resourceful could make it work. Mm -hmm. Max, in general, he is a trained person. He is not a survivalist. He is not trained in those specific things. All he has is what he has gathered over the years, which has been enough for him so far. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't continue to be enough. He needs help. An interesting thing happens. Max rolls off the horse and he starts working to free his hands. We get another instance of the sun washing out the frame, completely filling it. And then we fade back into Sally Ann still dragging this water flask through the desert. We get two instances of an indiscriminate amount of time passing revolving around a monkey dragging a flask through the desert. <laughs> I do like what it communicates to us that she is steadfast and persistent, that she's not just an animal doing something animalistic by instincts. Mm -hmm. She has some kind of higher intelligence that is driving her to keep going. Yeah. She knows that she is on a life-saving mission and that she has to keep moving. That's a lot more credit than we usually give the animals in these movies. Yes, it is. And we have to. She just displays too much intelligence to just chalk it up to animal instinct or anything like that. It has to be an extra level of movie magic intelligence. Mm -hmm. From Sally Ann, we actually fade right back to the horse. This time the horse is completely dead. It has ceased to be. It has shuffled off this mortal coil. It is now an ex-horse. It is dead. Remind me, this most recent fade, is it the type of fade that Miller uses to suggest the passage of time? Nope, it's just a straight just fade a... from Sally Ann to the dead horse. Okay. I was wondering because I was wondering how long it had been between when the horse collapsed and when the horse was pronounced dead. Yeah, it's one washout transition. Okay. Not multiple or anything like that. Okay. It's only after we see the horse fully dead, though, that Max has his hands free enough to pull the mascot head off of his shoulders. What so, a relief that must have been for Max. He's going from a crappy situation into another crappy situation, but at least he can breathe. 
Right. The air inside that giant, I'm assuming fiberglass head. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it could not have smelled good. It could not have had a lot of <laughs> constructive airflow. Mm-mm. It was probably a lot of heat building up in there. So taking it off must have felt real good. Despite the fact that as soon as he takes off the helmet, he's getting sand blown in his face. Yeah, conditions outside really aren't that much better. I'd be tempted to put it back on. <laughs> simply to shield my face from the blowing sand. Right. Because that can be more annoying than stinky stale air Mm -hmm. from inside the mask. (laughs) There's a difference between doing it voluntarily and doing it involuntarily. Yeah. At what point does that giant mascot head become more of a tool than a Mm -hmm. torture? Yes. (laughs) But with the mascot head coming off, that really brings us to the end of this minute. I mentioned on Monday that we might have some short episodes, and this is definitely an instance of that because there's not a ton that happens for us to talk about. I've got a little something if you really want to add a couple of minutes. What do you got? So when Max pulls the mask off of his head, we can see again that one of the eyes, the left eye, I believe, is completely like blacked out. It's hard to tell if it's an actual hole or if it's just burnt to the point of blackness, Mm -hmm. which reminded me in the novelization, there's a moment when Ironbar has put the mask over Max's head that he takes a hot poker and he jabs it into the eye of the mask. And it is pushing through, slowly melting, pushing through towards Max's actual eye. What? And it's then that he shows a little bit of resentment towards Max from Max having shown him up so much. And he makes a comment to Max pretty much saying that this is for beating me kind of a thing. And Auntie stops him. Huh. So I was wondering if in the actual movie, when Ironbar puts the mask on Max... If that eye is already damaged or if that was shot and then discarded. So I went back and looked. That eye was already damaged Mm. when he put it on there. So it's hard to tell if that was just the condition of the mask or they had previously filmed that moment when Iron Bard puts the poker into the mask and then decided not to use it. But it does line up with something in the screenplay that was not used in the film. Huh. I imagine if they were going to do some sort of more or less torture scene, it probably would have happened before they brought Max out to the breakaways and sent him out on the horse. Because as soon as Ironbar puts that giant mascot head on Max's shoulders, he smacks that horse and that thing is gone. So I imagine if they were trying to fit in the mascot head before that scene, it probably would have been a little clunky. This movie's only 107 minutes long. They probably didn't want to slow it down any more than they already (laughs) were planning on slowing it down. Yeah, I think the scene at the breakaways being relatively quick, I think was a good thing. Mm -hmm. Leading into the scenes where it's very drawn out. You don't want to take your time getting to the scenes where they're going to take their time. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. double dipping in the slow reset of the middle of the movie didn't need to happen i still have to wonder though iron bar's feelings towards max i wonder if he's still feeling rather ambivalent towards max as he sends him out into the desert or if there actually is a sense of rivalry or annoyance or feeling challenged by max I feel like there's a relative ambivalence between Max and Iron Bar at this point when Max goes out into Gulag and the anger and rivalry will come later once Max returns. 
Ironbar doesn't seem too emotionally involved in what's going on in the politics. Mm -hmm. Even when he shot Blaster, he was pretty even keeled about it. And he showed some attitude and emotion when Auntie swooped in and stopped Ironbar's discipline of Master. But that might be the most emotion that we've gotten out of Ironbar so far. Yeah. And that had nothing to do with Max. Yeah. But as things go on, we are going to get more of that kind of relationship. And I wonder if that's spurred on by Ironbar tasting more power. Could be. And then having his authority challenged again by Max. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's going to be a while before we connect up with Ironbar again. Yes, it is. It's going to be a while. As for the short term, coming up on Friday... For next episode, Max is going to encounter one of the dangers of the fire swamp. He's going to avoid death by frantically scrambling. And Sally Ann will inexplicably catch up to Max, but not before she tries to give him a heart attack. <laughs> the Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Ire by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our patreon by clicking the support link or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link thank you for joining us for minute 44 beyond thunderdome see you next time